Today we are talking about the gospel. The reason is, is because a lot of times when we, we come to church every week, hey Danny, we come to church every week and we think we know what church is about, but we walk away and when people ask us what was happening in church, what you learn, I hear this, this constantly from adults. They come out of youth group, they come out of high school, they come out of college and they're like, yeah, I followed Jesus, uh, it, it was a phase in my life, but it really wasn't anything, it was, an, it was a nice time, it you know, kind of helped me keep my innocence, Didn't, it kept me out of trouble, but that's all it was. But the fact of the matter is, when we're here in church, right, we're here not because we want to play games, right, because we want to pretend that everything is great, we're here in church because we know everything is screwed up. Here's an illustration. There's a story in the Bible. It's in Luke. I don't have it on there, so uh, like, you, don't have to, you don't have to look for it. But it's Luke 5. Jesus is up. He's sharing. Uh, he's preaching the, the Sermon on the Mount, like one of the best sermons ever in the world, right? He's preaching the gospel, essentially. He's talk, talking to people about what the kingdom of heaven is like. And Jesus is coming down the mountain, and the people are coming down with him, right? And in front of him is a leper, and I shared this in the adult service in December. But in front of him is a leper. Now, this is the thing about lepers, right? And we talked about leprosy in here. It's a skin disease. And the way the, the law says in the Bible, if you have this kind of skin disease, any kind of skin disease that's infectious, that can spread, they isolate these people. All of a sudden, these people, their lives are over. So let's say I get leprosy. I have five kids and a wife. I have a ministry. I do all this stuff. The, the law says that I have to get out of it. I have to leave. I can't talk to my wife. I can't talk to my kids. I become disfigured. My nose falls off. My fingers, the, 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 the extremities of your body start to deteriorate quickly. And you're in despair. You have no livelihood. You're begging for food. People are disgusted with you. Everything that you ever wanted in your life is over. And you got this leper. This leper falls at Jesus' feet. Just the fact that he appeared in front of this crowd where people are present and where people are near is enough for him to be killed. But this leper falls at Jesus' feet and he says this. He's like, I don't care. He doesn't say this, but he's thinking probably in his head, I don't care. I'm, I'm a dead man anyway. I'm a dead man walking. What does it ma matter? I have one shot. I have one shot alone. And I'm going to talk to Jesus because I heard, I heard from the grapevine that he's doing miraculous things, that he came from God, that he can maybe save my life. So he falls at Jesus' feet. And this is the nut, nuts thing. Everybody's coming down from the mountain. And here in front of everyone is this incredible illustration of broken man. He's unclean. He cannot be touched. He's separated from society. He's separated from the life that he was made to live. He's separated. And he stands before Jesus and he falls at his feet and he says this weird, weird, weird thing. He says... When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before me and said, Lord, this is what the leper said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Have mercy. I know you can do it. I know that you can save me. Have mercy. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then this is what Jesus is. And this is why I love Jesus so much. 
Like, I don't, I don't know if you're here because you think Jesus is a religion or Christianity is a religion. You feel like you're supposed to come to church. Your parents made you all your life. This is what good people do. You want to straighten out your life. You used to drink a bunch in college or, or, or in college. You're still binge drinking. And you're just like, well, I got to come to church because I feel bad. But this is Jesus who we come to church for. Jesus says to this kid or this leper, right? He reaches out his hand and he touched the man. He touched a leper. He touched the embodiment of uncleanness, of brokenness, of destitution. He touched the man. And he said, I am willing. Be clean. And then it says, immediately he was clean from leprosy. First time in history, Jesus, clean, touches something that's unclean and makes that thing clean. You see what I'm saying? What happens if I have like a, a propaganda, that's that guy's name, propaganda, uh, poop, dog poop on my shoe, right? Everywhere I walk, there will be poop until it finally wears off, correct? What is that saying? If my shoe is dirty, it makes other things what? Dirty and stinky and smelly and nasty. But the first time in history, Jesus, who is clean, makes this leper, this unclean leper, clean. This is why I love Jesus. This is why we come to church. This is why I need you to understand what the gospel is. Because some of you guys come in here and you're still not clear why you're here. Some of you guys have said, you know what, I'm going to get serious about Jesus. So you pray more, uh, you read the Bible a little bit more, you join a Bible study, you go to mission trips and you think you're more, more spiritual. But you do not understand what this whole thing is about. This whole thing is about the gospel. And if you do not know the gospel... You will be confused by why we do what we do. Now, this is the great thing. You guys have been in here for years. You guys have gotten glimpses and glimpses and glimpses and glimpses. When I share all this stuff, you'll be like, I knew that. Good, pat yourself on the back. That's great. I want you to know that. I want you to be like, oh, yeah, I knew that. And then I'm going to say the next one, you'll be like, I knew that too. I knew that too. I knew. But all together, this is what you need to know right? So that it is clear in your mind what you have done and what you've decided to do. And at the very end, I'm going to ask you if you want to follow Jesus. Now, this is the deal. Some of you guys are ready to live for Jesus. That's great. But you've never made a commitment. You never just said, you know, what? you just kind of moved into it. But what I believe and what scripture says is that when you profess it, when you come out and confess it and you say, you know what, this is it. Today, I'm going to identify myself as a Christ follower. I'm not going to just kind of, well, you know, in the youth group I had that phase. No, my identity is a Christ follower. Just like my identity, right, Howard, I'm a father. That's my identity. I'm a husband. That's my, I'm a youth pastor. That's my identity. I play the guitar. I'm a guitarist. That's my identity. I hunt. That's part of my, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu last year. That's my identity, right? There's these things that you have that are a part of your identity. You take on to it, like your kids that are wanting to be skaters. Like one year they're goth, and the next year they buy a skateboard, and they're skateboarding, they shave their head partly, right? And then have like, you know, chains and, right, and van skate shoes, right? And they identify completely. They get stickers, and they put patches on their back. I don't know what skaters do nowadays. Is that what they do? All right, or an emo kid. Are there such things as emo kids anymore? Whatever you guys might do, you start to identify. You need to identify as a Christ follower. And when you profess, when you take that moment and say, hey, I remember this day that I spent my life, I committed for the rest of my life to follow Christ and I would be called a Christ follower. 
Now, I'm not using the word Christian because oftentimes we start to have these connotations because everyone, 70, 80% of the United States, if you polled them, they did the, like the census or crap, and they said, yeah, are you a Christian? They're like, yeah, I'm a Christian, right? I'm not saying Christian. I'm saying a Christ follower, meaning you live for Christ. You die for Christ. Everything about your life is for Christ. All right, so let's talk. What is the gospel? Katie read beautifully uh, the, the, the passage. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you. This is Paul writing. Remember the first Corinthian church? Or the first Corinthian church? The Corinthian church? What was the Corinthian church like? Anybody? What? Louder. What was the Corinthian church like? I named two cities. Come on. Starts with a V, ends with a Gus. The Corinthian church was like Vegas and Amsterdam right? Uh, Vegas and Amsterdam. Corinthians was a, uh, the Corinthian church was a messed up church. The church in Corinth was a messed up church. Uh, like, ki- like somebody had to call out somebody, Paul had to call out one of the guys because he was sleeping with his, his dad's wife. So he was sleeping with his stepmother and he was like totally fine with it. He's like, dude, I had sex with my stepmother, right? That's the kind of church it was. And this is Paul writing, I preached to you, which you received, uh, the gospel I preached to you and which you received on which you have taken your stand by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. This gospel. And he talks about further that you need to know the gospel because the people pervert the gospel. People start to make it about your works, about doing the right thing. Oh, you've got to dress nice or you can't come to church. Uh, like that guy that I was talking about, that heroin addict who's like, I think I lost my salvation. Why? Because I'm, a, I, I'm addicted to heroin. Since when does heroin negate Jesus? Right? We are all screwed up. Now, maybe not as extreme as heroin, I hope. I hope not. But in some way or form, we are broken and messed up. And Jesus is bigger than that. So you need to know the gospel so it's not perverted. All right, so let's do it. Number one. Oh, this is the big idea. If you want to mem- put this to memory, write this down in your little journal. The gospel is the story of how the world can be rescued, including us. All right, so number one. That's the video. Number one, we are all sinners. Okay, now this is the deal. A lot of atheists, a lot of people, they get really, really mad about this point, right? Have you met people like that? Oh, don't call me a sinner, blah, blah, you know? But that's really stupid because we know that the world is really freaking messed up. There's no doubt something is wrong with our world. I mean, like, think about ISIS, right? Killing, killing Christians, not just even Christians, killing other Muslims, killing babies, killing, Right? Think about like people today, like how, like think about you guys, how many of you guys have ever backstabbed your friend, right? You've betrayed a friend, you've broken trust, you've lied to somebody, you hurt somebody. We're really screwed up people. We're selfish. Even my, even when I try to do good, I'm selfish. So like you can't say like we're not sinners. Even atheists know that, okay, well, they might not use the word sinners, but they, we're screwed up. They, they would admit that. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. Everyone. There's nobody that's perfect except for Jesus. Nobody. Number two, we are separated from God. Now, this is a hard thing because God is where? God is all around us. Right? Did you say that, Kyung? Good job, buddy. I can tell from when you prayed. Yeah, you got it. Right, everywhere. That we are separated from God. What that means is emotionally separated, spiritually separated. This is really tough. When my kids sin against me, right, Josiah never sins, but like, let's say Ella. Where's Ella? Oh, she's, she went downstairs. My, my daughter, she likes to sin against me regularly. She schedules it in her schedule. And so, 
when, when she does that, there is a division. When you break trust with somebody, there is a division. There's a, div- there's a dividing. There's a, there's a, where your heart is no longer in communion. But when you, like, have you ever been in a fight with somebody and then you worked it out? And then those next few moments are just like, oh man, we're awesome again. Like we're back, right? Kyung, you do that all the time with Austin? Yeah, I hear that. All right. Separated from God, Isaiah says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Iniquity is sin, your sin, your, your mistakes, your, 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 your bad stuff. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that, he, so that he will not hear. This gives an idea of the perspective of what happens when we're in sin, when we're open in open sin. We are spiritually dead. Now, this is the big one. This is where all theologians debate, but we're not going to go in that because I don't want you to forget what we're talking about here, the gospel. We are spiritually dead. That means that whatever is in us spiritually that desires to cry out for God, no, doesn't exist. It died with Adam. So our hearts are unable to cry out for God. So that means, and because a lot of you are concerned, you're like, well, I don't know if the Holy Spirit's moving in me or God's moving in me or God's talking to me or Jesus loves me or what. But if you desire God in any form, in any little bit, that is God moving in your life because we are unable, according to Scripture, to cry out for God in our, in our hearts. That is, the, that is God moving in your life. If you have a desire to desire God, that is God moving in your life. Do you guys get it? We are spiritually dead. Now, this is what happens when you get saved. When you start following Christ, what Christ does, he says you're a new creation. What does that mean? Because you were dead in your sin, but now you are alive in Christ. What does that mean? It means you were resurrected. You were brought out. That's what that baptism symbolizes. Uh, our church kind of has a hard, because we sprinkle, so it's kind of hard to see, like, raising from the dead from sprinkling. But if we were in a Baptist church, they would put you in a big tub, or you go into the water, or a river. They throw you in the water, and they pull you out. So it's like you're in the ground. You were dead. That symbolized what you were before. And then you come out, water is crying. You're crying. People are singing in robes. I don't know. And, and then you come out, and you're just like, oh, dove comes down. You are now alive. Your heart is alive. Your heart is now right with God. And you can hear the Holy Spirit. You can hear God move in your life. You can start to follow him. Isn't that cool? We are spiritually dead. For the wages of sin is death. The cost of sin. The cost of what we did. Just like my son when he... Uh, my, son, my son doesn't sin. Ella, whenever she gets punished, I'm like, like I'm taking your iPad away for a month. I'm like, I'm extreme. I give it to her back like the next day. But... That's my daddy issues. I have dead problems. But, but there's payment for sin. There's payment for sin. But the wages of sin is death, spiritual death and physical death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Number, uh, I don't know what point this is, but we can't please God. Without Christ, we cannot please God. A lot of people like, oh, you know, like you meet atheists, you meet people that don't believe in God, they're agnostic or what, and they're just like, oh, you know, I'm a good person. Like, if, if, if I die, you know, I, I, I think God would, like, I think God would, like, cut me some slack. I, I haven't m- murdered anybody. Well, kind of. I guess Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount that if you look at somebody with hate, you've murdered somebody. Right? So the idea is, like, people think that they can please God or they can be good enough, but they can't. You're spiritually dead. What does it take? One sin. I love, I love this discussion that we have with uh, Muslims because Muslims go on this big, big scale, right? Where it's like this, this gigantic plate over here, gigantic plate over here, and it's over this, you know, the fulcrum and, and it weighs it. And if your sin uh, outweighs your good, you go to hell. But if your good outweighs your sin, right, you could still go to hell. Uh, it's not fair. 
It's not Allah. It's the, unless you become a martyr. If you were a jihadist, right, and become a martyr, then you will directly go to, to paradise. You see why, why martyrs in, in the Muslim faith are more compelling? Because even if you're a good person, you could still, uh, you could still go to hell. But it's this big scale. But how, how does that scale make sense? Why is equal being righteous? And is there really such a thing as equal being righteous? What, the only thing righteousness is, is no sin. Not you're equal and you're good. That means you're just mediocre. You're just nothing. We can't please God. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. There is no one righteous. So even in your righteousness, Paul says famously in, in one of his uh, 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 letters, he says that even his acts of righteousness were as filthy rags. And filthy rags, you guys, you guys have been around church enough when well, you know filthy rags, right? Tampons. Just let that sit there for a second there. And, even, and in a Jewish context, it's even worse because blood is, is uh, unclean, right? A woman's period is unclean, okay? Boys are just like, ah, I can't. All right, we will suffer separation from God forever. This is called hell. Now, this is the deal. They've made caricatures. I don't know who they are, but people in history have made caricatures of hell, hell being like fire and Satan has that pointy thing, the trident, and then the pointy beard, and Right? But hell is no joke because it's not, I don't think it's fire, to be honest with you. I pro, it's probably not fire, right? Hell is most likely complete, well, the Bible says, that it's sep a separation from God for eternity. Now, this is the thing, right? How many of you guys know anything about heroin? When you get off of heroin or drugs like that, right, even your skin begins to hurt. The air, air hurts your skin. Air. Don't do heroin. Bad, okay? Air hurts your skin. We have these things, like the more you study about science, right, and biology and people, right, it's amazing all these chemicals that are running through our bodies that make us feel good, like runner's high. Like, as soon as I hit two miles, I get runner's high. Other people are like, they have to hit four miles. I feel bad for them because I feel great at two miles. At three miles, I feel terrible. It wears off, but, but like, you have all of these things in your body, and I think that's all the grace of God. Food, freaking taste buds, man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Taste with sweet tea. If you had no taste buds, everything tasted like peanut butter? That would be terrible. You eat a steak, oh, it tastes like peanut butter. Well, people think peanut butter tastes like chicken, but... But you get what I'm saying? Like, taste buds, who gave... Why did we have taste buds? Uh, sex. Sex could be, like, unenjoyable completely. I hope most of you don't know what that feels like, but it is enjoyable when you get married. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, why did God make sex? Like, good, right? If you've seen animals have sex, they don't look like they're having a good time at all. The woman looks like they're abused. The female, you know, lion is just like, man, I feel bad. But in human terms, right, it could be really great. What about relationship? What about childbirth? What about childbirth? Obviously, it's painful when the baby's coming out. But when it's coming out, like when you, you have this, you have this deep connection with this child. This child recognizes your face, your smell, right, your voice. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Nature. Why did God make things beautiful? Why do we have this understanding of innate beauty in our hearts? Why, when we look out at a sunset, no one's like, oh, that's trash. That is disgusting. I, I don't even want to look. I'm closing my eyes. Nobody says that. They look at a sunset, and they're like, even the atheist is like, oh, man, I feel very small. Right? When we look in the Hubble telescope, and those pictures coming back, and we see, why? It's all the grace of God in our life. Even the air on our skin 
the smells, the breath, the touch. And hell is eternal separation from all of those things. Because this is what we believe. This is what we believe. If you're a Christian, right, and you believe that you're going to heaven, heaven, I think, is probably the final completion. Because what do we experience on earth? There's, a, there's amazing, amazing things on earth. But not always. We still experience death. Julia Sweat, she's one of the singers in the adult worship team. Her husband went in for routine checkups. He had tumors, but they weren't cancerous. And he's in ICU right now on his deathbed. There's something that's disturbing about death. When we know that something's not right with the world, we feel it. Right? It's like the Matrix. Have you ever watched the Matrix? It's like there's this disturbance, right? You feel it. Something's wrong. Right? And so on one hand, yes, we have this incredible beauty, this incredible experiences, and the, the blessings that we have, right? But at the same time, we also experience death, sickness, uh, sin, people hurting each other, being selfish, people living for themselves, money, being crazy about crazy things like, um, what's, that, uh, what's that guy that you got a poster of? What's that his name? That singer, Keon? Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Mitch. You're crazy over these weird things. We know that something, we know that something, yeah, boy bands that, that look like they look like they're girls. And like, it's just like, <laughs> you know that things aren't right in the world. You get what I'm saying? And I think heaven is the completion of those things. That's when everything is right. And hell is when everything is taken away. Right? There will be punished with, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. The only way to be right with God is through Jesus. Now, this is another big argument because all the other religions are saying, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, how can you say that your religion is better than my religion? I don't say that my religion is better. But there is a reality. If I inject baking soda into my arm, if I have HIV, it will not save me. But if I inject this cure, whatever, whenever they find it, right, into my arm, it will save me. There's a difference. One is baking soda, and one is the cure. If I inject baking soda in my arm, no matter how hard I believe it's going to heal me, it will not heal me. I will die of AIDS. Does that make sense? Right? Does that make sense? Now, this is the deal. Why is our religion different than everyone else's religion? Number one, I don't like to call it religion because it's based around a single person that we relate to today. What's different? Buddhism is what? Is Buddhism, worship? Well, they do worship Buddha, but, but that's folk Buddhism. But Buddhism is, is really a philosophy of enlightenment, nirvana. Hinduism is the same way. It does not make sense to us because we don't think in those terms like uh, Eastern thinkers would, right? Where everything can be contradictory and they're fine with it. You've got millions and millions of gods in Hinduism, Right? But you have all these religions basically attempting to do what? To become right with God. And we know that the, we can't do it by ourselves, which leads us to the next point. Well, like, let's read this. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. A lot of people say, well, Jesus never said, but this is what Jesus said, okay? We can't save ourselves. This leads to our next point. With the other religions, they all try to save themselves. They try to do... Um, merits, right? Do things that, that will get them into heaven. You remember that story I told you about the Batu Caves? The Batu Caves, were, we were in uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, and these guys were trekking up this, this hill uh, going towards this, this cave where they do like this worship. 
And they had these giant meat hooks attached to these ropes pulling these big wagons, right? And so these men would go into trances, and then they would stab these gigantic meat hooks all the way through. You could actually see it into the muscle, right, and come out. And there would be no blood. They wouldn't bleed, right? And their eyes would be rolling up. They'd be frothing and be crazy. Like thousands of visitors come every year to go and watch them, right? And they're pulling up these, these wagons up this hill with the skin of their back. Now, some of you guys seen like, you know, really weird, crazy guys that put all these rings in their back and all this. These are freaking meat hooks, and this is Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. They're not surgically inserting and doing all, I mean, these guys are just stabbing meat hooks. They're not precise, you know, like surgeon be like, okay, this is how we do it, you know. And it's pretty demonic stuff, like crazy, crazy stuff. Why do they do that? Why would these guys do that? Because they want to make themselves right with God. People will go to great lengths. Catholic Church was like that too early. There was, t- there was these reports where people would wh- whip themselves or beat themselves or they had these straps around their legs that would cut into their skin. None of that can save us. We can't save ourselves. Galatians 2.21, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So this is the deal. A lot of people thought that they could attain salvation by themselves. There's a, there's a, a theology that's out called moral government which makes you, that they think that you can attain, you can get to this point of perfection in which God would consider you righteous, right? This is a Christian heresy. But the fact is, if Jesus, if, if, we, could, if we could get salvation on our own, why would Jesus die? Why wouldn't he just tell us how to get salvation on our own? There would be no point, and Paul makes this great point here. I do not set aside the grace of God. I don't put it aside, the grace of God, what Jesus did on the cross. I don't set it aside because if, if righteousness could be gained, if I could become perfect without the law or gain through the law, the law that the God had given the Jews, then Christ died for nothing. If we could do this on our own, it doesn't matter. Why we, we wouldn't even worship Jesus? So if there's anything aside from the gospel, you're, you're perverting the gospel. You're making Jesus' sacrifice nullified. Jesus took our punishment by dying on the cross. This is really, really important. This is one of the things evangelicals talk about a lot because this is one of the hinge pins that make us Christian. Jesus was not just a good teacher to us. What he did is Jesus being 100% man, human being, 100% God, divine, right? Being perfect, he died on the cross. And so what that means is 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins. That means bore, carried, he put the sins on us. So the punishment that he was supposed to get, uh, we were supposed to get, he got. And because he's divine, he took the punishment for all all of mankind, and he defeated death when he was ro- rose again from the dead. I love how propaganda says, like, people rejoice when he rose from the dead because it means the check cleared. He made the payment and the check cleared. You get it? This is the deal. When Jesus died on that cross, he took our sins for us. When we put our faith in him, that's what happens. And what the Bible says is we trade. So God, you know, the, the way God sees Jesus, he now sees us. He, he, he swaps it with us. So when God sees us, even in our sin, Chris, when you're like playing league until your eyes are falling out, right, in absolute sin, God looks at you and sees you as Je- like, like he sees Jesus. He's, he's so in love with you. <laughs> he's blushing. So what now? This is the deal. This is where, this is where you guys need to, to decide, okay? And I'm not, and, okay, this is the thing, right? I'm not going to lead you in a sinner's prayer. I'm kind of anti-sinner's prayer. Okay, that's kind of bad, but this is the deal. This is the reason. If you cannot pray for salvation, if you cannot pray for Christ, to, to follow Christ 
and you need me to do it for you, then we have a problem. You need to come to the place in your life where you decide and you pray it out and it comes from your heart. So the first thing you have to do is you have to count the cost. What does counting the cost mean? The scripture says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? What is Jesus saying there? If you want to follow Christ, if you want to follow me, count the cost. You've got to figure out what it's going to take to follow me. Because what Jesus says is you need to give up everything. This is verse 33. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you, can't, you have cannot be my disciples. Jesus is not asking you to, 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 to talk to him when you want to buy a new house or when you're having some problems with your best friend. Jesus says, I want everything. So your career doesn't belong to you anymore. You seek the Lord. Well, God, what do you want me to do? You're the kind of friends you hang out with, the people, the, the, the things that you spend your time doing, the passions of your heart. He's saying, hey, I want that. I want that. I want you to take that. I want you to leave it. And I want you to follow me. This is what counting the cost means. It's not easy to follow Jesus. The, 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 the fact of the matter is, I think many, many, many people in the American Christian church are going to hell. I think that they're going to hell. And they are convinced. And we talk about the sheep and goats all the time, right? They thought they were Christians. They thought they were following Jesus, but they weren't. They, they never counted the cost. They never gave up everything. Now, what am I saying? Do you need to go home and sell everything? Tell your mom, dad, uh, you know, bye, I gotta go. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what's your, where's your heart? Where's your heart at? count the cost. Number two, admit your sin and ask for forgiveness. Some people don't think, I've met some kids, I'm just like, you know, like, you know, we talk about sin, like, well, I don't, I don't really have any sins. Oh, you don't have any sins. You, that was a sin right there. Shoot <laughs> me, you have no sins, right? <laughs> Unless you're like in a coma or something, right? For your whole life. <laughs> but yeah, just how you do have sins, bro. I just, I love you though. Jesus loves you. Admit your sins and ask forgiveness. This is the beauty of it. Jesus says that he will, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that awesome? Because this is the deal, right? Uh, Christy, where's Christy? Is she in here? Oh, the sinner. All right, me and Christy, I can say anything I want now. Christy, yesterday, she skipped worship practices. She said she was going to be there. And I was like, Christy, you know, she, uh, and she was ignoring my text, and she's like obsessed with her phone. She's like this all the time. So I know she saw my text messages. And I'm like, you've been ignoring my text, you know. And I, so I, I text her to that, you know, because I say what I think. And, 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 and she finally was like, dang it. And so she responds back. She's like, I'm sorry I slept in. I was so tired. I don't know why I worked too hard. She's trying to like, you know, like change direction, you know. I'm just like, yeah, I was, I'm not happy. And then uh, she comes, and she's so nervous, and she should be. Right, she's so nervous, and she's like, hi. She buys me coffee because she feels bad, and, and a Rice Krispie treat. And I sit down, and we start talking, and, and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's okay. Like, I forgive you. Like, you know, I, didn't, I said, like, some mean stuff first, and then I was like, I forgive you. <laughs> like, we're okay, you know? But it feels great. It, it doesn't matter how much you screw up. How many of you guys screw up every single day? I wasn't looking for a show of hands, but that's cool. Now I know. I know who y'all are. <laughs> Raylan, did you write those names down? <laughs> Actually, she raised her hand, too. My wife doesn't sin, though. So, like, we screw up every day. All we do is go, hey, Jesus, uh, yeah, about that thing that I did, I'm really sorry. You know, and you, you repent, and Jesus will forgive you, and you, you're cool. Speak that Jesus is Lord. Verbally speak it. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's my Lord. 
This is scripture is pretty weird. It says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. Justified means considered not guilty. Like when the judge says, not guilty. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And then the last thing is believe in your heart. This is not just something I'm going to like with the music slowly, like, you know, softly playing, the lights dimmed and no, I'm not here to like mess with your emotions. You need to make a decision. You don't even have to really make that decision right at this moment. I'm not going to pressure you. I'm not going to manipulate you. If you're going to follow Christ, count the cost and live the rest of your life for him. Believe in your heart. It says in this scripture, there's no scripture. It's cool. But there is. It's Romans 10, 19, 10, 9 through 10. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess I must have forgot this is on there. So I'm going to give you an opportunity. Oh, is it the one before? Oh, that was a, oh yeah, it says it too, yeah. All right, let's, let's, not, let's not lose focus. All right, before Justin comes up here and cusses. All right, so, <laughs> so this is the deal. <laughs> so this is the deal, okay? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray for you guys, and I want you to make a decision, right? I'm not saying for or against, but you need to decide, right? You don't even have to do it right now. It's up to you, but I want you to start looking in your heart, searching, and if you want to follow Christ, right, and you make that decision, you know, you're going to do these things that we, we talked about, counting the cost, admitting your sin, speaking, right? If you're going to follow Christ, then tell your small group leader. If you're in college, tell me, all right? And then we'll walk you through, we'll help you, we'll start discipling. If you've been following, uh, semi-following Jesus, but really haven't made that commitment, then you can do that right now. But identify yourself with Christ. Is that cool? I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you do not make it a mystery on how we can follow you. God, we are so screwed up. And we've been trying so hard to like earn our salvation, make it right, think we're good with God, think everything's okay. But we know in our heart that everything's messed up and we're, we're kind of desperate, but maybe not desperate enough, maybe a little bit too lethargic or apathetic and we don't, we don't move towards you like we should and we feel guilty about that too. God, we are a jumble. But our hearts desire ultimately, Lord, that we would be right with you. And so I just pray for my brothers and sisters here and myself included. God, that we would remember this time, this moment, when we make our decision, whether it is to follow you or to walk away. And that we would commit and we would do this thing. God, I just pray against any fake Christians anymore. Christians that just pretend and go about their business and fill up pews and spiritually manipulate one another. I hate that crap. God, help us to be the genuine thing. Help us to love one another, to follow you and do what you say, obey. God, because we believe in the message of the gospel that there is life there and we want to have life. And we want to have life forever, but we want to have life now. And we want to spread that life to others. And so help us. Help us to be your people through and through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Kyung, Chris, Austin, you guys have to sell tickets.